0: This podcast is supported by Red Energy. Powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, Red is 100% Australian owned and local.
1: Phone 131 806. I'm Jo Stanley, and for years I woke up at an ungodly hour to do breakfast radio. These days, though, my lack of sleep comes from being a mum. Like most parents, I'm just trying to get through the day without yelling at my kid and laugh crying in the middle of the shops. And if I can juggle my career and still get my daughter to eat broccoli every now and then, I'm awarding myself Mother of the Year. I mean, we're all different, but the parenting rollercoaster is the same. Sharing our stories of the highs and the lows is so important because it's a lot easier to enjoy this crazy ride when we know we're all in this together. Welcome to Mum Plus One. Thanks to Red Energy. Great value electricity and gas. That's Red Energy. One of my most vivid memories of having a newborn was being in hospital. Our baby was about three days old and it was the middle of the night and I had spent hours on the breast pump and only produced 20 precious mils of milk from my very sore boobs (laughs) I mean, it was it was liquid gold, right? And I handed it to my husband to put in the fridge and he dropped the bottle and the milk soaked into the carpet. <laughs> well, they say, don't cry over spilt milk. And I didn't. I flew into a rage over spilt milk, which looking back was really unfair because my husband was as tired and as lost as I was. And I'll never forget the look of despair on his face and him saying to me, I'm sorry, I'm doing my best. (laughs) The poor guy. I felt so bad at the time and I still do because of course he was doing his best. Being a new dad is as utterly bewildering as being a new mum and possibly at times more so because there's way less conversation out there helping you adjust. So this episode is for dads and dads-to-be. And as importantly, it's for mums so that we can help our kids' dads be the best they can be because our kids need great dads. So let me introduce you to two great dads at opposite ends of the spectrum. Aaron is partner to Jen and dad of five week old Harper. G'day, Aaron. How are you today?
0: Hello, I'm good. Not too bad.
1: You sound very chirpy.
0: <laughs> yes, I am. I've finally woken up. So.
1: <laughs> and Peter Downey is a dad to three adult children, and he wrote a book 25 years ago called So You're Going to Be a Dad. It's sold over 250,000 copies, so I imagine Peter has helped thousands and thousands of dads, just like Aaron. Peter, great to have your wisdom with us today.
2: Well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. I'm not sure my daughters think I'm as wise as you think I am, but uh, it's nice to be here with you, sharing with dads and sharing with Aaron today.
1: So Aaron, can I start by asking you, do you remember, let's say eight weeks ago, because Harper is five weeks old, right? If I was to transport you back to you eight weeks ago before you knew what it was like to be a father, what sorts of things were you feeling? Can you remember that?
0: Yeah, we weren't sure what was coming. I mean, we were. Um, we had two months ago, and then at uh, nowhere, she decided to come early, so we got thrown right into it. So we went from you know having a normal, n- normal life with myself, Jen, and dog, and doing our everyday things, to all of a sudden having to take care of little Bubba, <laughs> you well, know, and working it out.
1: Were you fearful of what was coming, even just becoming a uh, father?
0: Long before the eight weeks, I think prior to that I would have, I was before pregnancy, you know, just trying to work out whether I'd be a good enough dad or, you know, God, I I couldn't, could barely take care of myself, let alone something else. And, you know, that that was going through my mind. How am I supposed to do this? You know, I'm really going to have to step up here. And um, that's probably the main thing I was fearful about was, yeah, like I've all of a sudden got to be responsible for this thing, you know, plus family, you know, Mm. um, and uh, I guess when she came, <laughs> you know, obviously you've got to step up and off you go. You know, there's no turning back. <laughs>
1: Peter, is that a common experience for dad or men who haven't yet become dads to just be terrified of them perhaps not being capable of it?
2: Absolutely. It's a very common experience. And in fact, of all the emails that I've gotten over the years, In response to um, writing, so you're going to be a dad. uh, The most common theme by far is men and actually women as well, but but men also saying, I thought I was the only one. Mm. I thought I was the only one that missed the memo about fatherhood. I'm a bit scared. I'm a bit anxious. I'm a bit clueless. I'm not sure what lies ahead. Uh, and then they say, you know, thank thanks for the book, la-di-da. But that is absolutely a very common thing. It makes sense when you think about it, because there are so many things in our society where we prepare, you know, to, to get a driver's license, you have to do a test and go for a drive. To get a scuba license, you have to uh, do a course. Um, to become a teacher, I spent, you know, four years at university. To become a dad, you just need you know, a glass of red wine and some mood lighting. And uh, <laughs> suddenly suddenly you're thrown in uh, the deep end. And I think a lot of guys like me in my pre-dad days had not spent a great deal of time really contemplating. I just kind of thought I'll be a dad at some point, but hadn't really unpacked that. So often when the grand announcement comes, it's something of a surprise.
1: So there's the fear that you're not going to be any good at it. What other anxieties do men who are soon to be dads have. What have you heard?
2: Well, look, I think there's always a, tr- there's massive fear around, will I have the skills or not to be able to assemble a travel cot? That's possibly <laughs> one of the most <laughs> difficult things that men uh, have to do. Yes. But I think probably what it is, it's, there's a lot of anxiety around um, time uh-huh. and how will I juggle life? and work and family, What? how do I do that? But also it's it's kind of almost a larger existential question around who am I as a person? How will I spend my time? What, what will the future bring? So I think there's a great sense of, of sort of the unknown and heading into unknown territory. And uh, really sort of, and, and also I think a lot of guys look at their own dads and go, well, he's a dad And my granddad was a dad and my uncles are dads and some of my mates are dads, but I'm just, a, am a son. I haven't become a dad yet. So there's that kind of sense of redefining who you are and how you fit into the world and and your family and, and all those sorts of things.
1: Aaron, what would you say has been the hardest thing for you? I know it has been tricky given that Harper was two months preemie and so you had that added layer of managing her time in hospital. But as you've adjusted to her being at home and and being a dad, what has been the hardest thing for you?
0: I guess, yeah, Peter's exactly on the mark there (laughs) because with what he said... um because I'm an ex- instructions guy, you know, and uh, you know a lot of my friends, are. I'll, I'll get a packet of pens and I'll read the label to see if there's some new way to take the lid off, you know. <laughs> um, and when it comes to baby, there, there is no set way of doing it. Everyone's different. And I guess that's, that's been the hardest thing is just trying to figure out the day and how we get through this and, and look after her. Because all of a sudden, all that time I had for myself, you know, and Jen and just about to pick up and go is now... 100% de- dedicated to looking after this, you know, little baby that, you know, needs us 100% of the time, you know. Um, so that, that's kind of the big thing, I think. That.
1: So is part of this conversation then, Peter, about allowing guys to be vulnerable and to, to admit that they might be a bit lost?
2: Oh, look, absolutely. I think um, being vulnerable is important because that's how you, you learn. I'm always concerned... When uh, dads to be are a bit cocky and confident, and almost a bit arrogant, and just kind of saying, "Oh, I'll just take this in my stride," I think that being vulnerable is part of being human, uh, because we are we are complex creatures, and of course there are, you know, there are some biological distinctives, I suppose, in that, you know, if you haven't spent a great deal of time, as, as Aaron was sharing and I was sharing, uh, really thinking about being a dad, then you're faced with really significant changes in your life. And just trying to sort of put on a brave face and stumble through it is a very difficult course of action. And so being vulnerable means saying, look, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. How do I do this? What help do I need? How can I be a good dad? What does it mean to be a good dad? And it means, I suppose, in some respects, throwing off some of those ideas of sort of masculinity, which is like dads are all about, you know, like the old TV shows that I grew up on from the 1960s and 70s, where sort of dad came home and was greeted at the door by the happy, smiling children and his wife wearing an apron. (laughs) And, uh, He sat down and read the paper and the dog sat at his feet and he put on his slippers and had a scotch or something. (laughs) It makes me say, well, life isn't really like that. It's a lot more complex and messy. And uh, I think embracing the messiness is part of that vulnerability that you're speaking about. Embrace the mess.
1: I love that as advice and it really is something that um, if you are someone who has had a very controlled life, if you felt like you got all your pieces in order, it can be a real shock, can't it, Peter?
2: Look, absolutely. And I think Aaron mentioned he's a bit of a, you know, solutions-focused guy. And that's me. I kind of sort of border on the OCD type, you know, lists chart writing. Uh, I remember being in hospital, as an example, I remember being in hospital, timing my wife's contractions, and I had an elaborate setup of of pens and paper and different coloured highlighters with which I was monitoring the time (laughs) between the contractions, how long they lasted. It was a fascinating graph to me. I was really intrigued by it. My wife was getting increasingly annoyed. And at one point she said, can I have the folder for a sec? And I was like, sure, I want to share my folder with you. You can see how brilliant my charts are and she took it and threw it across the room and said, you need to be smart boyo.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, I mean, what, what you've taken us to there, Peter, which I know, Aaron, you have been very aware of, is how best to support your partner. I mean, there's no instruction guide there either, is there?
0: No. That's the one thing I've been feeling a lot too It's just that feeling of being sort of useless in this whole situation that's the big thing for me at the moment is like how can I be here to help you you know because at the moment baby needs mama you know and 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 I'm here sort of just providing support and I want to try and help her get more sleep by helping her feed but you know in the end she's still going to have to express and be up during the night and yeah, that's, that's been the hard part is how, how can I make your life easier or what can I do to help and, you know, is it enough? You know, that's 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 the big thing at the
1: moment. Is that a common experience, Peter?
0: Absolutely. And, look, I
2: think Aaron's hit the nail on the head absolutely 100% bullseye target there in saying communication, as we all know in in any normal relationship. Communication is a critical ingredient. And particularly in the tumultuous times of the changes of sleep patterns and energy and tiredness, communication between a couple who are raising a child is absolutely critical. And when Aaron said, you know, he's asked those words, how can I help? That is top of the list because you never know. You can play guessing games and that's probably a bit unhelpful. I remember when we had our uh, first child, Rachel, uh, when we, when there was the sort of the middle of the night feeds, I just kind of, I was young and a bit dopey, I suppose. And I just kind of thought, oh, well, you know, I don't have breasts, so that's up to you. I'll just roll over and keep your side of the bed warm. That's my job. (laughs) Uh, and I soon found out my wife didn't appreciate that. Uh, and then, so for the second child, Georgia, I thought, right, every time she gets up, I'll get up too. I'll make toast, I'll make tea, I'll put music on. Well, that didn't work either. So by the third time around, I said, well, how are we going to do this? And she said, I'll let you know. And that was something that I should have done the first time around. How can I help you? What? Because sometimes it can be as mundane, as inane, as... I need you to hold this child so I can have 10 minutes to wash my hair. Uh, It can be as simple as that Uh, or, you know, whatever the domestic, just agreeing and helping in the domestic situation in whatever's required at that time on that day. And uh, as I said, I think Erin's question, how can I be of help, that is gold.
1: You know, I think, though, women, we sort of have a head start in that Women talk about being mothers long before we even consider that we're going to be. It's sort of around us all the time, whether it's with sisters or friends or even, you know, books that we read or, you know, just watching a movie, women talk about being mothers, whereas men don't tend to do it. Um, And that's got to be a disadvantage. At any point, Aaron, did you and your mates ever talk about, oh, I'm going to be a dad, this is what it's going to be like? Did anybody give you advice? No, it's
0: funny because we... I mean, obviously we got pregnant and there was all the congratulations and whatnot, but there was no further discussion into, you know, having a baby or, you know, all my friends with babies giving advice or anything, and it was it was just a bit of a mate's thing. We'd get up, you know, catch up and have a beer, and, you know, the next day I'd have a headache. But, um, <laughs> it wasn't until uh, two weeks after Arthur was born that um, I actually started reaching out to my mates, and I had two friends that um, had been very good they'd they'd organized dinner for me and came around and actually sat down and said this is how it was for us which was amazing it was like we spent about four hours five hours just having dinner chatting about baby life you know
1: so that was two weeks (laughs) after after you had her was the first time you've ever spoken with with another bloke about being a dad so peter how do we do that better
2: well you read my book (laughs)
1: Good start. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, well, I mean, seriously. One of the, re- in all seriousness, Joe. One of the reasons I wrote uh, so you're going to be a dad in the first place was because of that absence of uh, connection for a lot of men. Some men have it, uh, but a lot of men don't. And you know, I, I think that networking is really important. And if you think about. Uh, the the things that men need, they, they want to know things like, you know, is this normal? Is what we're going through normal? This has happened. Is that normal? My child's like this. Is that normal? Uh, they need encouragement and they need somebody to sort of be able to share with and get stuff off their chest. And if you think throughout human history, perhaps in more of a, you know, agriculture age, you know, the the son would sort of follow his father around and would be living in community with a lot of men, and even in trades groups and community groups and church groups and work groups and things like that. Um, Whereas now we tend to be a little bit more isolated. But of course, the flip side now is that um, this is the first era, in some respects, the first generation to have access to technology and to the internet and to online networks of men. And in some respects, we have... While a lot of people might not take up the opportunity, they actually have the capability to engage with more men than ever before. And and it's so important having a group of people. Uh, we, we know this just even in terms of men's mental health, regardless mm. of childbirth and pregnancy and change family situation. It's important to have trusted friends with whom you can share and talk and um, ask questions. And that was certainly the case for me. I, I was fortunate enough to have a couple of mates who were a year ahead of me in terms of having kids and just to be able to sort of sit under their shoulder and be mentored by them and be able to ask them all my stupid questions and inane questions they were able to answer them it's it's absolutely critical
1: so what pieces of advice would you give then peter what what's i don't mean there are so many but if you are then giving a guy who's listening to this who's perhaps a few weeks out from having a baby or you know hoping to have a baby with his partner what, what advice would you give
2: well, look, I mean, there's, if you're talking about preparation, then mm. I think obviously the fact that they're listening to this Indicates that they're probably in the game of uh, you know wanting to do a bit of research and find out some answers, and that's a good thing. I always encourage men to do a bit of reading to find out about all you know what, what happens during pregnancy. Be it, do a do the course, do the you know the, the having a baby course at the local hospital or with the midwife. Um, learn about children. Engage in online networks. Go to a, a parenting course. You know, there's the rise of these ones that now are in pubs where you can go and have a you know a pale ale. And a chicken schnitty and sit around with a couple of a uh, couple of guys, one who might be a childbirth educator and say, look, I'm a bit embarrassed to say this, but what you know, what's the deal with childbirth and how does it exactly work? Um, and so and,
1: and that's not a dumb people, question. That is not a dumb yeah, but question.
2: No, but, <laughs> no, but, but it's being intentional. It's not just it's not letting it's not letting pregnancy and childbirth and parenthood just happen to you like mm. you're some you know, sort of victim or you, you, you're just, you know, it's, it's you taking control and actually engaging in the process, finding out things, engaging with other people, asking questions. Um, like I said, going to the childbirth course, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff is just absolutely vital. And, and, and it's imperative to, at a very early age, start that idea of a partnership, a valuable partnership in, in raising a child.
1: Aaron, what would be one of your top tips that you'd give to new dads? Um,
0: 100%. Like, uh, uh, outside of the parenting thing, I think it's having that support of your friends and, and chatting. I, I must say, I have not chatted to my friends more in, in, since Harper was born about personal things than, than now since she's born. So, you know, So um, like we, we chat all the time. We catch up almost on the phone nearly every day. Even most my, my friends that don't have kids have also stepped up to the game and have, have yeah, you know, nowhere another level, ring me just to see how I'm doing and having that's helped. Um, but then uh, I guess, in terms of the baby thing, it's, yeah, it's exactly like just, just trying to be there to make Jim's life easier.
1: Have you got a um, maybe a more practical tip, though, that you've learned around uh, yeah. burping, changing nappies? What, uh, what's something that totally surprised don't,
0: you? Don't forget to put the nappy on. That's what I did. <laughs> 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 the second nappy change in, I'm like, okay, this is my first bath. I'm bathing her. I um, put her down, changed it. I was proud that I got her new outfit on, it singlet on, sat down, and I had a bottle while Jen – and I, was, I did everything – before you know it you know i look down and i'm like oh, okay <laughs> there is poo everywhere i have a proper army. yeah i forgot to put the nappy on so i guess um for me i, I guess uh, even at night i'm i'm always the one putting my hand up to you know i'll change a nappy you know i'll i'll afterwards you know like um especially at night you know when jen's waking up i'll um or baby's waking up i'll, I'll get in there and try and do the nappy change um, and then wake Jen up and then and then afterwards sit with Harper and Burper just so Jen gets an extra, you know, you know, half an hour of sleep, you know, instead of having to stay up and burper, you know. So
1: um, um, Peter, I remember reading years ago that Shane Warren was very proud of the fact that he'd never changed a nappy which is obviously a vastly different experience to Aaron's and I think many, well, pretty much all the dads I know. Is this a very, you know, it's a different time for dads and in, there's a much more, um, you know, domestic equality at home. You know, is, is this bringing more pressure on our fathers?
2: Look, I think so. I can relate to Shane Warren if that's indeed uh, very true. I, I tried my own method of... I, try to avoid nappies. I kind of thought I might be able to do it, but my wife soon uh, cottoned on to the fact that every time the nappy needed changing, I was either in the toilet or asleep or sitting under the kitchen table with my fingers in my ears. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 no. It was only lasted about two days before she said, oh, it's your turn. And look, I think obviously people are in different Domestic situations, and there are some people for whom you know if they divide up the labour of the home, and somebody's earning millions of dollars a year. Uh, that might be their gig, uh, and the other person is kind of doing all the domestic stuff. The problem with that, though, is that there's a whole string of things that you could apply that to, and you end up missing out. It's all those. It's it's the cumulative. Um, I suppose it's the accumulation of all those intimate things where you are engaged with your child, mm. those mundane things that help you be a dad and a good dad, not just like a TV commercial dad who's kind of, you know, kicking a ball in the park or roasting marshmallows over a fire. So it's, it's things like changing the nappy, bedtime stories, as Erin said, burping feeding, putting down, uh, doing school pickups where you can. Now, that's obviously not always viable, but, Mm. you know, going to ballet and soccer and and participating in bath time, it's all those things where you could say, oh, somebody tried to get out of that. You think, oh, well, you're kind of missing out, really. That's Mm. a bit sad. You know, so I would encourage men to go for the, the full experience and uh, e- even if it does mean that sometimes you forget to put the nappy on like Erin did.
1: I think actually nappy changing is a really great analogy for parenting in that it is messy and it's confronting at times, but they are the most sometimes the most beautiful moments where you share a smile with your baby that you wouldn't have had otherwise.
2: Right. And it's, uh, like I said, it's the accumulation of, know, mm. uh, I look back on, my years of parenting. Um, There's something to be said just about what I refer to as quantity time. You know, people talk about quality time uh, as if you can sort of catch up on it. But I think, you know, I I think of time as like air. You you know, you, you, you can't not breathe for an hour and then have a minute of quality air. That doesn't work. And in the same way, I think You know, quantity time, which is all those little golden, unexpected, unplanned moments. That's what adds up to really building a long-term relationship. It's changing the nappy. It's sitting in the bath. It's having them fall asleep on your chest Mm. while you're just lying on the carpet. It's all those delightful, seemingly insignificant moments that add up to uh really creating a strong bond between parents and child.
1: And, Peter, when you talk about redefining what a dad is from our previous generations, I suppose that's what you're talking about there, that the time that you spend with them.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, of course, one of the difficulties that, we, you know, our society still has some way to go and there's certainly no easy answers here, but... Um, You know, I think that men have, as a society, we tend to define ourselves through our work Mm. and men certainly do. You know, hello, my name is Bob. What do you do? That's kind of the next question. When my grandfather had my dad or when my my grandparents had my father, uh, my granddad was at work in a mill in Yorkshire and uh, his boss came over and said, your wife's had a baby. And he said, oh, okay. And he went back to work. (laughs) Uh, My dad was a nurse and was able, in an era where men did not attend the birth of their children, my dad was able to be at my birth and that was quite unusual, whereas now we have the opportunity to participate. But that takes time and there is a lot of pressure um, to be, you know, sort of working full-time, being a dad full-time, and, and obviously significant pressures on mums too. I'm in no way negating that and, in fact, more so probably. Uh, but there there is a lot of pressure in terms of... Time and how much time you're able to spend, and how much time there is in a week for you to even be able to spend.
1: Aaron, have you spent any time thinking about what kind of dad you want to be, have you felt like you're redefining who you are as a person?
0: Uh, it's definitely changed uh, uh, my responsibilities throughout the day with her, but um, I guess at the moment I'm taking it day by day. It's just mm-hmm. you know, you know, before you know it, like yeah, time's gone. Like yeah, those the three hours I have between her awake and her asleep at the moment it's just you know you don't have a lot of time it's just that it's it's enough to get a few things done around the house and before you know it she's up again and here we are another nappy change so you know I guess uh, as a younger man I I thought maybe I'd want to be like this but um a, a certain type of dad but some I guess it's one of those things I'm only gonna it's I'll, I'll, I'll end up just slotting into it I guess I hope you know and uh working it out as we both grow together because, um, yeah, right now there's not, not a lot of time to think.
2: Uh, if I can just uh, jump in there, I, I agree with Aaron and it's certainly when you're, you're a new dad and you've got a new baby, a lot of your attention is just focused on that day-to-day. I received some good advice that's, that's been with me for decades really now when I, when uh, my wife was pregnant and a friend of mine who had kids said to me, listen, if you don't raise your children or your child, somebody or someone else will. Mm. And that really focused me on the idea of the important role that parents, and as we're talking about dads, mm. dads have in really being intentional. And I encourage dads always to have something of a vision about their child and their future and actually sort of thinking without turning them into some kind of Frankensteinian creation, but kind of thinking, okay, well, what, what kind of relationship do I want to have with my child when they're five, when they're 10, when they're 15, when they're 20? And for me now, I've got daughters who are 26, 28 and 30. What kind of relationship do I want to have with them? And what kind of people do I want them to be? And then the reverse engineering question is, what am I doing about that now to make that happen? Because it's not just, you know, parenting isn't just a random confluence of events. We should be intentional. I don't mean that to turn it, you know, turn into a a checklist of personality characteristics or things. But if you want your children to be loving, uh, you need to be loving to them if you want them to be generous you need to teach them generosity if you they will role model you and if you are a really impatient kind of aggressive person they will they will adopt those those character traits as well so it's really important as as children grow that we are intentional about what we do and about having a vision for them and making sure that we raise them so that something else like you know, there's a lot of nonsense on the internet. Um, we don't want them dictating our kids' values and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's such an important mission that we've got.
1: I think, Peter, what you're um, highlighting there, though, is that parenting makes you sh- really hold a mirror to yourself. And sometimes that's hard. And particularly when you're sleep deprived and you've got a newborn, suddenly to go, oh my gosh, I'm this kind of person. I have triggers or I have a short temper or whatever it is. Parenting really forces you to look at yourself, doesn't it?
2: It does, and also because you're tired, uh, you know things like tempers and uh, you know that kind of thing, and the way you relate to other people, your attitudes, all those things really come to the fore, and it does actually, it does actually shine a put a put a mirror on you, shine a focus on who you are and what's important to you, because Mm. when you hold that child and you think about their future, you think about wow, what's actually important to me that I want to give to this young person as they grow up? Um, And sometimes it can be uh, confronting. I remember uh, one of the the father's days when my kids were little and it was in that era where, you know, I'd get cold tea and burnt toast in bed, which was fantastic, wouldn't swap it for anything, and a whole bunch of little things they'd made at school made out of paddle pop sticks and shells and pasta, you know, pasta paintings and all those kind of lovely things that you can never throw out. You have to keep for decades because the kids kids know. (laughs) And uh, I remember one year one of the girls drew me a uh, a card, a Father's Day card, and it was in the shape of a beer mug. And I thought, oh.
1: <laughs> that's wow. a bit of a sign. <laughs> wow.
2: That's, that's, how does that work exactly? You know, it wasn't particularly very noble or inspiring. Uh, so that made me kind of think, oh, what, what are my kids learning from me?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I've had a similar experience when my daughter drew a picture of me with a glass of wine in my hand. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it is, it's helpful to take as much cues from your children as you might be giving to them. Um, so uh, we've been talking a lot about how fathers need to support the mothers, particularly in those early uh, few months. So how can mothers help the fathers of their children be the best they can be? What can we do to help you?
2: Well, look, I think in the same way as I, I mentioned before, I think actually having open communication is the key and uh, having a chat about it beforehand and saying, you know, what are the things that are, are going to help you? Um, having an understanding of love language is kind of helpful. You know, your people are all different, and uh, some people absolutely blossom with words of encouragement or or you know some some other types of things. Feedback is is really helpful. Uh, getting feedback where you know I remember significant times where Meredith would say to me, "Oh, that was really helpful to me. Thank you." Mm. And and I don't make it sound twee, but being thanked for things makes people feel good. It's a reinforcement. It's an encouragement. You know, thanks thanks for helping me. One of the things is that babies can throw a bit of a spanner in the works of partnering affection. You know because you're tired and maybe we don't really feel like being affectionate because a the mother's gone through nine months of pregnancy and a childbirth and is breastfeeding and isn't sleeping and has to wear maternity clothes <laughs> uh, and sometimes egos and i don't mean this to say i'm not being twee but you know it's important that that you're able to steal or sneak just a little bit of time for each other um, just just to be a, a affectionate to each other. It might just be sitting down together for a couple of desperate minutes, holding hands or having a cuddle or something. Uh, affection is something that I think is undervalued.
1: Aaron, I don't know if in five weeks that you're at a point where you can say Jen can do things to help you be a better dad, <laughs> but do you have any perspective on that? Uh, yeah,
0: well, he's exact, uh, Peter's exactly right there. It's... Um because I, I, as I said, there's times where I'm, I sit there and I question whether I am doing enough, and I actually I, I openly say that to Jen. I'll, I'll just go look. Am I doing enough? Um, and even just to her saying you are, you know, is just is just a big relief on my mental state, I guess, of, of questioning myself, you know, um, just the simple things like that, or even just even just telling me what she needs and. Um, that's a big help because then I can actually be proactive and go out and do the things that she needs me to do, and, and you know th- that's been a big help to me uh, to feel a little bit more helpful <laughs> right now. You know, at this stage of our of our you know of Harper.
1: Yeah. So to wrap up, being a parent is one of those things that you know until you kind of dive into it, it's really impossible to know what it's like. And I think that what we are often aware of are the the things to be frightened of, like no sleep and the stress of it and the crying and all the – I mean, I think parenting often gets a bad rap in in that regard. So let's say you were to write a TV commercial for the best things about being a dad for the benefit of a soon-to-be dad. What would you say, Aaron? It,
0: it definitely opens you to a whole new world of responsibility and, and yes, care and love, you know. Um, like that's what it's done for me. Like I, I've I've gone from this man that couldn't even look after himself to all of a sudden stepping it up because I have to.
1: Mm, it sounds like you like yourself a bit in a different way because of it.
0: Yes, exactly. Yes, it's um it, it's taught me a lot about myself, you know, and about what I about what was in there this whole time. And it it, it, took this baby to bring it out of me, you know. Here I am thinking, you know, I'm I'm just barely going to get the clothes done or, you know, all that sort of stuff or letting things go. But now I can't, you know. And looking at myself, I've I've become an adult. (laughs) I think you (laughs) You
1: sound like you're doing an amazing job, I've got (laughs) to say.
0: I feel like I have and I feel like I'm getting there. you You know, it's helped me grow up. Okay.
1: I'm sure Jen's happy about that too. Yeah, yeah. She is. <laughs> <Jeez.
0: laughs> Definitely.
1: Pedro, if you were to uh, sell parenthood to the guys out there who are just really not sure they can manage it.
2: Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, if it's a TV commercial, you know, TV commercials love – kind of cliches and good looking people and everything's kind of non- and let's face avoided. it none of us
1: look like that when we've just had a baby but anyway. That's
2: right. So look I think I'd avoid the cliches. I think I'd avoid the the um the, the parents sitting there google eyed at their child on stage playing a tree during school play night or <laughs> or the cliche of the dad answering the door when the boyfriend the first boyfriend turns up or the comedies of driving lessons or the teariness of um, walking your daughter down the aisle I'd avoid those I think I like things which are a bit more mundane
1: yes and a bit
2: more everyday and I think it was a tv commercial sorry but, but I think I'd I'd kind of imagine a picture of a a dad and a daughter sitting over like a kitchen table just having dinner, nothing special, the house is slightly chaotic and inaudible voices, but she's obviously lecturing him about a day, I don't know, maybe she's five or six, non-stop chatter, and he's just eating, he's just cutting his food and looking at her and eating, and the voiceover says, unless you discover the cure for cancer or the first person on Mars, this is the best thing you're ever going to do.
1: Oh, stop it. That's so good.
2: I'm going to start an advertising agency for dads.
1: Well, Aaron does work in advertising. He's he's a director of photography, so he's shot many ads in his time. What do you think, Aaron? Yes. Yes, that's brilliant. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, it sold me. Yeah, it sold me too. Um, Thank you so much, Aaron, for your honesty and and all the best with Harper. And, uh, you know, she's very fortunate to have a beautiful dad like you. Peter, thank you also for your wisdom. Um, Have you got one last little thing that you can share with dads who may be feeling a little bit out of it right now? I always say whatever happens, you're doing a great job. Is it as simple as that?
2: Yeah, it's, I just say one word, it's chill. Just chill. (laughs) It's okay. Chill, chill. It's fine. And I just want to say also to Aaron, Harper's a fortunate young lady to have you as a dad and Jen as a mum. Aaron, you sound like a top bloke and I really love all the things you've said. Well done. I appreciate
0: that. Thank you so much.
1: That was new dad Aaron and author Peter Downey and you'll find the 25th anniversary revised edition of his book So You're Going to Be a Dad in stores soon. It's a crucial time for our men and boys. We're speaking more openly than ever about what makes men happy and healthy. And I reckon empowering our dads to just dive on into parenting to every messy, overwhelming, yes, stressful, but joyous part of it is really important. It's important to let our dads know you're doing a great job. Whatever it is, whether it's folding the laundry or changing a nappy or walking the neighbourhood for hours to get your baby to sleep or just taking time out to lie skin on skin with your baby. Whatever and however you're doing it, you're doing a great job. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And we'd love it if you could share this podcast with a friend, especially a bloke, or someone you think you might enjoy it. And we'd love to hear about your parenting experiences, the wins and the fails. Jump onto my Instagram, at Realjo Stanley, and get in touch. Thanks to Red Energy for supporting this podcast. Red Energy has great value electricity and gas that goes beyond price. Call 131 806 today.
0: enjoyed mum plus one with Joe Stanley then check out the other podcasts in the red energy lifestyle series for all things home design enjoy home style
1: with Shayna blades getting the balance of large open spaces is about creating zones within one space and making them feel intimate within that space
0: great value electricity and gas that's red energy thanks for listening to mum plus one with Joe Stanley part of red energy's podcast lifestyle series available on your favorite podcast platform and the sem at